I officially reached financial independence, which is essentially when you no longer have to work for money. Janice Torres Rodriguez is a Latina money expert and the host of the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast. And she just reached her FIRE figure this year. FIRE is a global movement that stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And I set out to learn more about how she got there at the young age of 36. It all began when she started her own blog. It took off and it's become, you know, um, one of the premier websites for Puerto Rican recipes on the Internet. In this episode, I asked Janice how she did it and how she pushed through that period of two years when she was working full time and building her side hustle, but making no money at all. Stick around to learn how she turned her blog into her passive moneymaker. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but if you'd like to hear about how she learned and leveraged SEO to grow her blog and how she grew her audience to over 30,000 followers on Instagram, you'll want to request access to our uncut vault. So go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut and don't miss any of the lessons. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while planning your Instagram content for the week, take a very well-deserved break to head over to the reviews tab and leave us a review. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with the Latina powerhouse, Janice Torres Rodriguez. Welcome to the Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career path responsible for multiple self-made millionaires, opening the doors for experts and professionals like you and me to stop living paycheck to paycheck and design a rich and abundant life with one purpose, to help others. I'm your host, Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach. Listen for lessons and strategies that will turn you into the next global phenomenon. Today's episode begins now. Hi, everybody. Today, I have a real treat for everyone. I have Janice Torres Rodriguez with me from the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast. Janice, I'm so excited to have you here. Ina, it is such an honor to be here with you. I am so excited. This is going to be great because I can't wait to hear about your background. But first, why don't you tell everyone what you do and who you serve right now? Yes. So I am, I love to call myself a serial entrepreneur because I'm always doing the most. But right now, my focus is on spreading the gospel of financial literacy, especially to the Latino community. And so I do that in a couple different ways. I have a podcast, Yo Quiero Dinero, which translates to I Want Money. So you know very clearly what we're talking about on this podcast. And I am also a business and monetization coach. So I teach students how to monetize their passions, create side hustles that can buy them back their time, that can give them financial freedom and independence, and that can help them just live their best lives. I love it. And that's a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. So why don't we talk a little bit about where you grew up and what your childhood was like? I love going way, way back. So where did you grow up? 
I actually grew up in Elizabeth, New Jersey. So I was born and raised in New Jersey. My parents are from Puerto Rico. So they came to the United States in the 1980s, settled in New Jersey because we had family there. And I'm the oldest of two. So I think that, you know, when you're the first child and you're alone for a couple of years, I think that just forces you to become like this super creative person because you kind of have to entertain yourself. And so I've always been someone who's very like naturally curious, always experimenting. And I've definitely taken after my father. He's an engineer. And so I became an engineer because I'm just curious about the world. And I think that is uh, kind of one of the secret formulas of, if you will, of successful entrepreneurs is just always being curious and willing to experiment. What was your relationship with your parents like growing up? Yeah. So my parents and I are like peas in a pod. I mean, um, we are so close, but when I think about kind of how my life has turned out versus theirs, I sort of see myself rebelling against the idea that they instilled in me, which is to just live like a very safe and comfortable life. Mm -hmm. Right. So I followed a very prescriptive narrative that I think a lot of people, especially in communities of color can relate to, which is like, go to school, get a good education, get a job that has a pension or a 401k and like work for 45, 50 years. And that is the key to success. And I was following that prescription for a while and realized this is not exactly what I see myself doing with my life. And so kind of reconciling those internal struggles, but then remembering like all the sacrifices that my parents made to be here and to provide all these opportunities for me to go to college and get an education. I had to wrestle with that for a while. And it's been quite a journey of self-discovery. Which was your very first entrepreneurial venture? How far back does that go? Well, I definitely remember like doing, you know, the lemonade stands and all those things when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I don't think I ever considered entrepreneurship like being a serious thing. I thought it was just something like you did as a hobby. Mm -hmm. But it was about 2013. I was about to graduate. No, I actually just had graduated from grad school, again, doing all the things on the checklist of life. Mm -hmm. And I found myself like completely miserable in my career. I was like, why did I get this degree? Why did I get another degree? Like, I don't even want to do this. And I felt like this part of my life was just empty. I wasn't diving into the creative side of who I was. I was just doing very analytical, um, doing very analytical things. And so I decided that I wanted to explore a different side of my personality. I've always been into food. I love cooking. I love the communal nature of food, especially like in the Latino culture. I mean, like parties revolve around food and music. Like if you don't have those two things, (laughs) there's no party. So (laughs) for me, I knew that I wanted to do something around food and I had considered like just going nuts, like quitting my job, going to culinary school, like flying off to Paris, you know, doing something crazy. And then, you know, reality and like this whole imposter syndrome was like, girl, sit down, have a seat. And then I started to think about food blogging. So I did a little bit of research around the space of blogging in general and found that this was something that I could see myself doing. And so I created a food blog that is Delish Delights. And it's um, eight years later, it's still going strong. It's still going. So let's press pause right here and let's go back. Can you tell me what you went to undergrad for and what you went to your get your master's for and why did you decide to go back for your master's? 
Yeah. So I went to school originally for medicine. Like I was a pre-med student. I was going to go and become a doctor. What? Uh, the whole thing, you know, and it's like, you want to make the sacrifice of your family's worth it. So for me, I always had this idea that I needed to have a career that I made a lot of money because that was going to be like the whole reason why. And so in my junior year of college, I decided, no, I'm not going to medical school. Like I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I was majoring in molecular biology and chemistry. So it was just like, you know, super intense courses and junior year, I decided, okay, I'm just going to graduate with my bachelor's degree and I'm going to go into industry and I'll figure it out. I'm going to work a couple of years and then figure out what I want to do. So I think, you know, you get addicted to the money. As soon as you start working full-time, it's a lot harder to convince yourself to like go back out, like go to medical school, do all these things. So I decided, no, I'm just going to get a master's degree in the field that I'm working in. And I was working in the biotechnology and engineering space at the time. So I got a master's degree in biotech and, uh, you know, I just thought I was going to do this for the next like 40 years. But the further I got into my career, the more disaligned or unaligned I felt. I just felt like I'm doing things because I think I'm supposed to be doing them and not asking myself, what do you actually want to do? And so I think that that led to the quarter life crisis, which then led to me starting the blog, which now has led me to pull the plug on my nine to five and pursue this entrepreneurship thing full time. How many jobs did you have? Like how many companies did you work for while you were working? Yeah. So it's been about five different companies and mm -hmm. I started working in 2007. So it'll be about 14 years. Um, one thing that I noticed in your past history is that you didn't always stay in biotech. Um, I mean, you were, uh, you were working, doing kind of like, like working on products on bio products, but then you switched over to working at Revlon, right? You're like, okay. Let, and that, that, when I heard that, that sounded like me when I was in corporate. I'm like, why don't I just go and do what I do, but do it in a fun place, right? Like, was that what the thought process was? It was, yeah. So I actually ended up at L'Oreal. L'Oreal, I'm um, sorry. Yes, L'Oreal. And I, you know, I thought like, this is cool. I'm going to go make makeup and like, maybe this will be the thing. This will be my thing. But I ended up just working in like a modern day sweatshop. So it was a manufacturing facility you know, the, the temperatures were not regulated. I was working on like huge machines with all kinds of safety equipment. And these were like 12, 14, 16 hour days. And I had actually taken a pay cut to take this job because I, I had gotten laid off from my previous employer. And that three month period between getting laid off and starting at L'Oreal was when I really started diving into the blog and like, how to monetize this and how to create those systems so that maybe this could become something other than a hobby. Mm -hmm. So I took the job at L'Oreal to try and see if I could revive my passion for what I was doing. And it just solidified to me to like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to be happy doing this period because this is just not what I am meant to do. Yeah. What is happening at work? What is life every day? Like it's miserable. Like I have chronic anxiety my management team was just like, they didn't care about the fact that there was no work-life balance. Um, there was a lot of almost sabotage. There were, it was just a nasty like environment and it really felt toxic. Like I would come home, I would be crying. I'd tell my husband, like, I can't do this. And, um, you know, I knew I had to create an exit strategy because this is just not going to work. And then 
let's talk a little bit about the blog now. So a lot of people who are listening, they're like, well, I want to start a blog, right? Starting a blog now is not the same as it was, you know, in, in the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit of what the difference would be between when you were starting the blog and how blogging is now? So everybody gets this clear. Yeah. So it is completely different. And so I've been doing this for close to eight years now. Back when I first started, it was so easy to go viral organically on social media. I mean, I went viral like on a monthly basis on Facebook. And now you have to pay for Facebook ads for anybody to see what you're creating. Another thing is too, I think previously blogging was more about showing how to do things like, you know, cooking and sewing and like craft hobby type of things. Whereas now a lot of it's actually being used as like a marketing tool to promote your paid products. Mm -hmm. And so creating a blog for Delish Delights, my food blog versus now I'm creating a blog for Yo Quiero Dinero. It's been two different experiences and especially because it's two different niches and you have to figure out like what works for what you're trying to accomplish with one versus the other. So I'm going to kind of set the stage for what starting a blog is like. And I want you to chime in and tell me, okay, these are the things that people need to know. So just this is what I know about blogging. Uh, number one, you do have to put out like consistent, like a lot of content out there, right? Number two, you really got to mind your keywords, right? People have to be able to find you. So you got to be an expert at you know, what are people looking for? So you're creating those recipes, right? In your case. Um, and how do you make money through essentially ads and affiliates and putting in links to other products so you can get kickbacks? Those are like the big three things that pop into mind when I think blogging and, and really monetizing it. I'd love to know from your expertise, what more would you add to that list to say like, okay, if you really want to make it blogging, these are things you need to know. Yeah. That, that's great. And that's a great foundation, honestly. Those are very big pillars of keys to success for blogging. I think before you even start showing up consistently and creating content, you need to know, like, why are you creating a blog? Who are you serving? Like, what is the purpose behind this, right? So for me, when I first started my food blog, I was all over the place. I didn't know that I was creating a Latin food blog initially. What I was doing is just cooking random recipes, being inspired by like my travels and you know, random things. And there was no cohesive theme around my blog. And it wasn't until I really honed in on what was going viral, which was my Puerto Rican recipes that that gave me the information that I needed in order to continue to refine my content. And ever since I really honed in on the niche, it took off and it's become, you know, um, one of the premier websites for Puerto Rican recipes on the internet, because now it's very clear, like why people come to my site. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make. They just think like, I'm just going to create a blog and talk about whatever I want to talk about. The thing that drives me nuts is when people are like, I'm a lifestyle blogger. Like, I just want to talk about everything. I want to talk about travel and food and, you know, um, my latest hobby and what the Kardashians were talking about last week. And it's like, what are you doing? Like you need to have a purpose. And until you have that purpose, your blogging journey is going to be very frustrating because you're not going to see the traction for your content because people don't actually know why they're visiting you. Um, can I, can I just tell you right now? That was me. 
Uh, before I actually started my business, I probably started about five different blogs. Okay. And this is, this was me. Okay. I would, because I'm, I'm a website expert. I can spin off a website like it's nobody's business. So the tech was never uh, an obstacle. Right. So I'm like, I want to start a blog. So I started a lifestyle blog, quote unquote, lifestyle blog, which is just like me talking about things. Hey, I went to the Taylor Swift concert. Here is how right. I went. And this is what I think about whatever. And like, that's all it was. And I was very surprised, Janice, that my blog didn't go viral. Why are people not just like naturally falling in love with me and following me and wanting to know what I have to say? So guess what happened to that blog? It just died, right? Like my, my, my encourage, my self-encouragement just like died when I realized it wasn't going anywhere. Then I started a food blog. I hate food. I mean, I love food. I hate cooking, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to make a food blog for people who hate cooking, right? Okay, <laughs> let's do that. Uh, so I did that. And then I'm like, okay, this is not going anywhere. So every time that I started a blog, I was expecting it to go viral. And then when it didn't, it's just like, okay, I guess that idea died. Can you speak to someone who's out there like me, who's listening? What would you tell someone like me uh, who really wants to do this? What do I need to know? Yeah. You know, the problem is that a lot of people don't understand that blogging is a science. It is not just like showing up in the internet and like talking about something and imagining that people are going to come and find you. So there's this concept of search engine optimization that has been critical to the success of my blog. And essentially that's the science of understanding how your content gets picked up by the algorithms of Google and all these search engines. Now let's go back for a second. You were working full-time. You started this blog. You started to approach it as a science. You started to realize, heck, I need to start giving people what they want, but you were still doing it. It must have come from a place of love. Like you say, for you to spend two whole years producing this and spending time on this without really the expectation of money. Um, that I mean, what was that like? What were what was life like for those two years? We we're like, well, you're not raking in $30,000 a month with your blog, right? Where did that motivation come from during those years? I honestly just loved the process. Like I loved the process of creating something and just seeing the final result. And, you know, getting comments from people and saying, thank you for this recipe. You took me back to the times when I was a child with my abuela and you helped me recreate these memories that are priceless. And that's why I always tell people like, this is why you do anything in life. It's not about money. Money is not the key to happiness. I, I thought, you know, making a certain amount of money was going to make me happy. But if I was earning it in a way that was not aligned with what I wanted to do, there was no amount of money that you could pay me to be happy. And so I was happy to do this for free because it was fueling this need for me to just explore this other side of me of, you know, seeing what was possible, what I was capable of creating. And I think that is like kind of why a lot of creators love what they do. It's not about the accolades. It's not about the money. It's about the transformation and the impact that you have on people's lives. That to me, you can't put a monetary value on that. When you were working, did you back then with just the blog, did you tell people that you had a blog? Was this something that came up at work? No, God, no. I've always been like super private about all of the side hustles that I work on because I always just felt like this is mine. Like you guys don't need to be involved in this, right? Um, 
so yeah, I, I've never been one to be like a huge self-promoter of what I'm doing outside of work, because I also feel like I've had this idea that maybe they'll think I'm a less dedicated employee if they know I'm doing all of this stuff. And so you don't want to put yourself in a situation where like now everybody's watching what you're doing. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm going to tell you, it was kind of the opposite. So I, I was making websites on the side and I was in the tech field. I was a software project manager. So I actually felt like superwoman because I already had CEO on my resume. So I could just walk into any interview and I was just the most confident person. It just kind of gave me that boost. So there's, there's, there's two ways to do it, but it definitely depends on where you work. I, uh, yeah. you know, I, I was working at a consulting company where they were, they encourage you to be entrepreneurial if you would like, right. So big, you gotta watch for the culture where you are. Right. Um, can I ask you, at which point of you, from the moment you created the blog, which was 2013, correct? Yeah. When when did the podcast come in? Mm. Yeah, so the podcast came in in 2019. I was, re I had recently moved to Florida. I had like revamped my entire life. I, I packed up my stuff, switched jobs, told my husband, okay, we're leaving New Jersey. Like I need a fresh start. I'm like mentally drained need a new environment that's going to foster my creativity. And so we ended up moving to Florida the year before. That's a good and husband, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's easy to convince. This is why we work together. Yeah. Um, and so I found myself like really for the first time, you know, moving and having all this clarity around like what I wanted my life to look like. Um, I was continuing to build the blog at that point. It was earning about, uh, you know, four, $5,000 a month. So nice. I started seeing like, this is becoming something that could like literally replace my job. And so getting like really aligned in that entrepreneurial mindset, I was talking so much more about money to my friends because at that point they saw what I was doing. They were like, girl, you're like, you're building a business. And so I would get a lot of questions from people, people who want to start blogs, people who were watching also my journey to financial independence. Cause I started talking a lot more about like, how I'm trying to structure my financial situation so that I can retire early and investing. Where and were you before the podcast? Where were you talking about this? Just with my friends. Just privately. Yep. Just with friends. And, um, you know, I kept getting the same questions over and over again from different people as I would talk to them. And so I figured, you know what, maybe instead of just having these one-off conversations with people, let me just put this on a podcast and like, see what happens. Because if I'm getting all these questions about money, from Latinas, because, you know, the majority of my circle is Latinas. Um, I'm like, maybe somebody else cares about this. And so I decided to start a podcast. And funny enough, I was in the shower listening to the song Dinero by Cardi B and J-Lo. And I listened to the hook that says, yo quiero, yo quiero dinero. And I was like, I had like a light bulb moment. I was like, this is it. This is the podcast. And, and here we are. So what happened after that? Did you take the same, uh, the same scientific approach to growing the podcast as you did with the blog? What was your attitude when you started? I had no idea what I was doing, right? So podcasting was like a completely different space for me. Um, I didn't know anything about monetizing it. Didn't know anything about how you create like a brand per se when it comes to being a personality online, right? Because like I mentioned before, I was an introvert. So like this idea of becoming an influencer in that sense and like a thought leader, 
didn't put any thought into it. I just knew I needed to speak about these topics. I wanted to have a platform to do it. And so I started showing up and just doing it consistently for about a couple of months. And then this thing, imposter syndrome showed up and was like, nobody cares about this. Like, stop talking. And I took a, like a six month hiatus. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Not really clear on like what the purpose is and who this is going to impact. And so I took a break until January of 2020. And then I made a new year's resolution. I said, 2020, I'm turning 35. This is going to be the year I'm going to commit to this because I know that there is something here. And I said, I'm going to show up every week. I am going to talk about this and I'm not just going to be, it's not just going to be me anymore. It's going to be, I'm going to connect with people on the internet. I'm going to find other Latinas, other women of color who are talking about dinero and we are going to sit down and share our money stories and share the mistakes and share the struggle and also share the hopes and the dreams. Because I know I have hopes and dreams. I think other people have hopes and dreams. And I feel like if we get together and talk about them, like maybe this could be something powerful. And that's what I started doing. I started, I had started an Instagram before I even started the podcast. And then I just started like DMing people. And it sounds crazy because it's like, who the hell is this chick like sliding into my DMs asking me to show up on a podcast? But I've never gotten rejected because I think that people naturally want to talk about themselves. They naturally want to connect. Like that's a human thing. And so the podcast has grown in, in 2020 was a, such a transformative year. And I have to think that the pandemic was also a part of it because mm -hmm. people were craving connection and craving like voices that could reassure them that like the world was not going to burn down, especially when it came to the economy and our money and, you know, what's happening. So it was really a transformative year that solidified that this matters. And um, it's been a wild ride. When did you start thinking, maybe I should put out a monetization program, like teaching people how to monetize their passion? When did that come in? Yeah. So it happened when I started talking about my own financial journey as an entrepreneur. I started sharing my numbers. I started sharing like Uh, the fact that my blog makes passive income and like how much income it was making. And once I started doing that, people were like, I want to learn how to do this. And then I had to be like, am I ready to teach this? So I started setting up one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions for like, I don't know, $37 or something for an hour is like something ridiculous. And we I, all, we all went through that. <laughs> right. When When was this in, in this was okay. So since I recommitted in January, I think I put out like my first offer around April. Okay. And that was also around the time where I decided I'm going to do like my first event. So it was actually a free event that was called the side hustle summit. And it was a response to the pandemic because there were so many people being furloughed and losing their jobs that I wanted people to know you don't actually need a nine to five to make money. And I will show you how, because I'm doing it. And so I created this five-day summit. I reached out to some other Latina entrepreneurs that I had met because of the podcast. And I said, look, would you be down to do like a workshop for free and just present yourself and the knowledge that you have? And let's show people that like, they don't need to be worried about losing their jobs because they can create side hustles that can help them feed their families and quit their jobs. So they don't ever have to go and do that again. And we did it. And it was amazing. We had like, over 500 people register 
And it was transformative because that was the first time that I realized like, oh, wait, people actually want to learn about this stuff and I can teach this stuff and I got to figure out how to package it. And um, yeah, it's, it's been crazy. Can you please explain to everyone what the FIRE figure is? Yes. So I officially reached financial independence, which is essentially when you no longer have to work for money. And so that has been a direct result of this entrepreneurial journey that I've been on. So the food blog has been the ticket to freedom, if you will. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that in order to use a blog to become work optional or financially independent, that's like a five to eight year process. So that's why at this point, like I've built up the framework and it's established itself to the point where now it's netting about $10,000 a month in passive income. And since my expenses are less than $10,000 a month, because I live in Florida, low cost of living area, I just don't have a lot of expenses. I no longer have to work because my blog pays the bills. Big time. And yep. FIRE stands for something. Yeah. So FIRE stands for financial independence, retire early. And a lot of people get caught up on the retire early because they're just like, but I don't want to retire. And I'm like, you don't have to retire. You can make it relax early if you want. You can make it rest early if you want. Whatever you want that RE to stand for, it just gives you the option to not have to work for a paycheck to pay your bills. Like you can become an entrepreneur. And a lot of people that pursue financial independence, that's what they end up doing because now they know, okay, I don't have to stay with this job that's paying me a ton of money that I don't even like because I have to pay the bills. You don't have to worry about that. You can pursue all these passions that you've had without worrying about where the money's going to come from. Cool. So now that we get that out of the way, I wanted to say that because you went out and you said, you guys, I have reached my fire figure. Like I, I could quit my job if I want to, like I, I'm financially independent. So you have not been shy about showing up online. So can you tell us a little bit of what that has been like for everyone who feels like I don't want people at work to know what I'm doing. So I'm not going to show up on social media so that they don't find out. How have you rationalized it in your brain and how have you taken action about that? Yeah. So this is something that I actually work with my students a lot because especially for people who want to be like in the personal finance space as a coach, if you already work in the financial industry, there's a lot of like regulations and um, legal stipulations around talking about money but then also working like for a company that is in the financial industry. So if you are in an industry that is directly in conflict with like what you are trying to do, that's probably not going to work, right? So you got to start thinking about what is your exit strategy? Are you going to make a career pivot? Um, are you going to give up on this dream? I would suggest no, that is not the option. You have to figure out how to, I always tell people, you have to figure out how to design your life to accommodate your dreams. Yeah. So if your current career is not allowing you to pursue your side hustle, time to make a switch. It's time to have that real talk with yourself about how important is this passion that you have to you. And if it's important, you're going to find a way to make it work. Now, I have never been one to like really foster super close relationships at work. I've always just kind of been very like, this is work. This is personal. We're not mixing the two. So I didn't have a lot of reservations about showing up online initially because I don't have a strong, you know, network when it comes to my corporate job. Now, one thing I did notice, <laughs> once you start getting in the media, right, um, that's a whole different story. So I got my first media feature about 
maybe four months into 2020, um, I was featured in CNBC, and then I was featured in Business Insider and Next Advisor and BuzzFeed and Yahoo. And it's just like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> like now these are big platforms that like people are obviously going to see. So I actually went on LinkedIn and like I unfriended all of the people who I potentially could have, you know, who, who could potentially find out like what I was doing. And I thought it was safe like that for a while, but it turns out you can actually become too famous for your own good. <laughs> so we could talk about how that played into, um, you know, me quitting my job maybe a little bit earlier than I thought. <laughs> can can you tell us that story? Because that story is oh my god, amazing! It's I like, can't believe everybody's, everybody's biggest fears realized what happened to you. So oh my god, tell us still, yeah, it's ridiculous. Okay, so it was a couple of weeks ago, and you know, I had my regular one-on-one -on -one meeting scheduled with my boss, and you know, the conversation was normal. We're talking about like what the next things I'm going to be working on are, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end of the meeting, she goes. So I wanted to bring something up, um, someone outside of the company, like outside of my department, you would say, but in the company, sent her my Instagram and told her to prepare because I was planning to quit. And so a couple of weeks before that, you know, I started really being vocal about the fact that like, this was a transition that I was going to make. I was putting all over social. It was not a secret. I was even talking about it on my podcast. And so, yeah, that led to the most awkward conversation I've probably had as an adult, because I'm just sitting there staring at her like, is this really happening? Like, are you literally telling me that you've been looking at my social media, that you found out that I'm going to quit? What am I going to do? Like, what do I do now? And so, you know, after like a couple of seconds of just like, I, I could feel my face like getting hot and just like, oh my God, this is really happening. I told her straight up. I'm like, well, yeah, I, I am planning to quit. Um, And then she asked me, okay, so I just need to know a date because I need to start making plans. I'm like, okay, well, I will get you that letter after we hop off this call. Um, yeah. And then I proceeded to have like a panic attack in my house. Like, holy, holy shit. This really just happened. Um, okay. Well, I guess now I, I can do it without any reservations because now everybody knows. Right. And I think it's great that, you know, she kind of put that boot on your, on your bum. Like, like it was, like it was time, like the universe is telling you, Janice, you've been waiting too long. So let's just do this for you. And you were planning on doing it like a week later anyway. Yeah. Well, initially I was actually planning to wait till the end of the year because I just rationalized, you know, let me just finish what I started, blah, blah, blah. But I had found myself so burnt out by this time you know, the podcast continuing to grow, like all these opportunities coming my way that I actually had to start saying no to some things. And I knew that once my full-time job was getting in the way of me making money through my business, this is not something that I'm going to entertain for a long time. And so I decided then, okay, let me quit the day after my 36th birthday. And so it happened a couple of days before, but it was really just validation that I'm too famous for my own good. Let me get out of here and actually go make an impact. <laughs> Can we just get that hashtag going? Just too famous. Just, you know, <laughs> just too famous. Hashtag first world problems. <laughs> But uh, no, uh, so let me ask you, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful businesswoman? Oh God, I think it's that I have all my shit together. Like I really don't y'all. Like I don't sleep. I'm a workaholic. 
I have team members now, right? So I learned the value of outsourcing, but I'm still like super type A. I still want to like know everything that's going on. I still want to have all these opinions and still do like little admin work, like creating content, even though I know there are more important things for me to do. And um, I don't want people to think that I have any type of balance in my life because I think balance is a farce. Like this work-life balance thing is nonsense. You will have seasons of chaos. You will have seasons of rest. And um, so I try to be very transparent about that, right? Because I, I, as someone who preaches the gospel of entrepreneurship, I don't want people to think that it's like this glamorous life that it's just, you know, chilling on yachts and sipping champagne and getting checks in the bank. Um, so I'm, I'm really cognizant about being authentic in the experience that it is to, uh, you know, start things up and, and create these things that we're trying to build. Um, so yeah, I do not have my shit together, y'all. And if everybody who's listening right now had to do the thing that you're about to tell them to do, and they have to, they have no choice. They have to do it in the next 24 hours. What should that thing be? Ask yourself, why are you living the life that you're living right now? Is it because you intended it or is it because it happened to you by happenstance? Is it because you were told that this is what you need to do? Just literally sit down with yourself and ask yourself, if I could, I, if I could design my ideal life, what would it look like? And if it doesn't look like what your answer is, you got to start making some changes. And that's what everybody has to do right now. So Janice, this has been such a pleasure and I love having been able to ask you all the questions I wanted to ask you. So thank you so much for being so generous with your time and with your answers today. Thank you so much for the invitation. And congratulations on quitting your job. I can't wait to see what happens now. If that's what you could do with three hands tied behind your back, imagine what we're about to unleash now. So can't wait to watch Thank it. you so much. Hey there, Ina here. After this episode, you may be wondering how you can also achieve the kind of success that our guest has experienced in their entire career. So hit follow and subscribe to catch me on Thursday for a brand new lesson on how to grow your coaching business, even if you have a small audience. And if you'd like to hear the full interview with all the details that only the super fans care about, get free access to all of our uncut interviews by going to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. You know that part in this episode that made you go, oh my God, I need to write that down. I want to know what that was. So go over to Instagram and find me at your engagement coach and send me a DM. I want to hear it. And if your business bestie is missing out on all of these juicy strategies, make sure to take a screenshot of the episode and share it to your stories. Remember to tag me so that I can thank you personally for all your support. I'll see you on the next episode.